the Girl Crush Podcast. Some theme music. She has so many funny lines right up Reese's alley. I love her even more. It's underrated. I had no idea. Fell in love with her performances in the 90s. Supreme. Clearly, she has guts. Whiskey teacups, also known as Sass. Full two cups of whiskey. It's also known as like a classic. Forgot how much I love this movie. I completely agree. This is exactly what we had in mind. So on point. So on point. Hello and welcome to the Girl Crush Podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Anne. We love Reese Witherspoon, so this season we're watching all of her movies and ranking them. If you want to give us your thoughts, be sure to connect with us on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod. And as always, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. On today's episode, we'll be talking about the final two of Reese's animated movies. We already talked about Sing 1 and Sing 2. Um, today, we will be reviewing The Trumpet of the Swan and Monsters vs. Aliens. Yes. So Trumpet of the Swans was released in 2001, and Reese voices a character named Serena. This is actually free on Amazon Prime, and in this movie, Louis the Trumpeter Swan is born mute. He journeys to find his voice and to pay for it, all for the love of fellow swan Serena. And for Monsters vs. Aliens, this was released in 2009. Reese plays kind of the main character here named Susan Murphy. You can rent this on Amazon Prime. And in this movie, a meteor hits Earth and transforms Susan into a gigantic version of herself. And she learns that the government has been hiding away monsters. With the threat of an alien invasion, Susan and the other monsters are tasked with protecting Earth. If you'd like to go see either of these movies and you haven't already watched them, now's the time to pause and go watch. Otherwise, there will be spoilers from here on out. I would recommend watching Monsters vs. Alien. I think you can skip Trumpet of the Swan. Do you agree? I would agree with that, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Today's episode is brought to you by Above Able, a woman-owned online boutique that focuses on dressing the woman who does it all and giving the gift of confidence. We both have items from Above Able, and we love them. Check them out at AboveAble.com or on Instagram at AboveAbleShop. Use code WELCOME22 for 10% off. Before we hop into the plot, do want to say the tornado sirens are going off here and it's starting to storm. So if you hear any background noise, that's why, but we're going to power through. I don't think it's going to be that bad. All right. We'll see what happens. (laughs) But just a warning. I don't think you can hear it, but just in case. I currently cannot hear anything. So starting off with the trumpet of the swan, we rated the plot a 5.5 out of 10. The movie opens with a swan breaking into song about his excitement for his newly laid eggs, he and his wife. Immediately, we're like, it's a musical. (laughs) We're here for this. Yes. Two of the eggs hatch, Ella and Billy, and they sing songs. The third swan hatches, and his father names him Louie, only to find out that Louie cannot sing or make that trumpeting sound. Father Swan is very disappointed in this and wants to, like, disown him. But we see the swans aging through time, and poor Louie just doesn't fit in. He can't play with the other kids since he's basically mute. So sad. So sad. At one point, Louis sees a fox chasing his sisters, but he can't make a sound to warn them. Suddenly, a human boy saves them by throwing things at the fox to scare it. Father Swan is disappointed in Louis for not being able to help. Rude. So rude. Turns out this human boy, Sam, is camping nearby, and he's enjoyed watching the swans. So he's drawing and journaling about them. He's at a camp, and the kid who's bunking with him calls him Bird Boy and makes fun of him for liking swans. Rude. Did you ever get made fun of for, like, something you really liked? I was just going to ask you the same thing. Not that I can remember, at least to my face, but I feel like it's possible that it happened behind my back. I don't know. What about you? No, I don't I don't think I was. I mean, I, who knows? I wasn't, like, a, a horse girl, which was a thing. Maybe okay. still a thing. 
horse girls. Okay. No, I, I was not one. I'm saying negative. Yes. Negatory was not a horse girl. She's but like, don't mistake me. <laughs> Please as a horse girl. Make no mistake. I'm waiting for your butt. <laughs> um, this is just very random. Recently, the algorithm has been feeding me like hoof maintenance videos on like <laughs> TikToks and reels. It's very strange. What? I'm getting them every day. It's like <laughs> There's a nail in this horse's hoof. Did you ever watch like one horse video that you can remember? I must I must have. I I, <laughs> I honestly don't know why is this happening. Who Hashtag horse girl. <laughs> the horse girl culture is targeting me. You know, your phone is going to hear you talking about it right now, and it's just going to make it worse. <laughs> I know. I know. It's just getting worse. Uh, I need them to hear. I don't. I do not like unsubscribe from the horse hoof videos, please. It's amazing. Um, also, this is also very random. We were at the Denver Museum of Nature and Science this weekend, uh-huh. and there's this like whole wing dedicated to birds, essentially. Mm. And as soon as we walked in, I turned to Scott and I was like, I think I might hate birds. <laughs> just like not a fan. I do not like birds either. I'm, I'm just like, you're gross. Yes. I don't get the poop. Their poop I don't understand. Literally the other day in our in our hallway of our building, there was bird poop on not only the screen, but somehow the bird had like projectile pooped into like <laughs> through the screen to the window. It was so weird. Ew. We have a bird who has taken to like sitting on the rocks on our entryway and it just poops uh-huh. all over our front porch. Ugh. So we've like bought spikes off Amazon. I mean, we're like putting a castle fortress protection <laughs> out there to keep this bird out of there. I'm like, get out. That's it so scary. Yes. And <laughs> I like, hate it. oh, they're just, they're kind of gross. Sometimes Kale's they are like, gross. Kale's like, oh, look at that bird. He's so cute. And I just don't really get it. Oh, no. I've never thought a bird was cute before. Never. Very or. few times. Maybe like a hummingbird in like a Planet Earth video, but not in real life. Okay. If David Attenborough is like narrating it, <laughs> narrating it on a screen, the birds I see in Chicago are not cute. Let's just put it that way. It's like pigeons. Yes. Yeah. We, we saw a sign the other day that said $500 fine for feeding pigeons and it like quoted the Chicago Municipal Code. And Kale's like, can you imagine getting fined $500 for feeding a pigeon? And I was like, can you imagine feeding a pigeon? <laughs> You're asking the wrong question. My yes. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, man. So Louie and Sam seem to connect. They become fast friends in spite of one being human, one being swan. They seem to have, you know, a connection. Mm -hmm. The swans start migrating south for the winter, and Louie and Sam have this little exchange to say bye for the winter. Sam's, like, going back to his hometown, leaving camp, and obviously Louie is flying south. They fly to Red Rock Lake, Montana, which doesn't seem very far south, but we don't know where they started, when Louie and another swan, Serena, seem to have crushes on each other. And note, Serena is eventually played by Reese Witherspoon, but at this point, they're still kids, so she's voiced by someone else, and then when they become more adults or young adults, it's voiced Mm -hmm. by Reese. So they seem to have these crushes on each other, even though Louie can't talk. His mom is really excited, but his dad is very skeptical. His dad flies to Billings, Montana to try to find something to help his son have a voice. He crashes through a music store window after hearing a trumpet and steals one, thinking, you know, he could play the trumpet to communicate. Right. A squirrel shows up, kind of like a hippie, hippie squirrel, (laughs) and shows Louie how humans communicate through writing. 
Louis excitedly tries to mime to his father about reading and writing and how it can make him not what he calls defective anymore. We can hear his thoughts. So sad. But his dad doesn't understand. So Louis flies to Billings to find Sam to basically get his help to teach him how to read and write. So Sam introduces Louis to his teacher, Mrs. Hammerbottom, voiced by <laughs> Carol Burnett. So random. So random. And she thinks it's ridiculous. Like, she's like, really? He's a swan. But Sam's like, you can't discriminate against him just because he's poultry. So <laughs> Louis is now in the first grade. This teacher, Mrs. Hammerbottom, kind of <laughs> reminds me. She's like a knockoff Miss Frizzle. Yes. yes. So accurate. <laughs> so accurate. Oh, love the magic school bus. So good. So then we get a montage of Louis learning how to read and write. The seasons change. So he's been away for a while without really telling his family where he's gone. We also see him reading Stuart Little, which is written by E.B. White, who is the same person who wrote this story, Trumpet of the Swan. That's so cute. A little meta. Yeah. He can finally write his name and he introduces himself to all of his human classmates. Louis flies home with a chalkboard around his neck and a piece of chalk. Serena is super excited to see him, wants to know what he's trying to say, but obviously she can't read. And Louis is dejected that nobody can understand him. And I'm like, you dummy, how didn't you think of this before? (laughs) This plan epically backfired. Spent like a year learning how to read and write. (laughs) Poor swan, no one else can do that. (laughs) He's like, well, shoot. So his father finds him and brings him this trumpet that he stole for him, and Louis struggles to make a sound on it, which reminds me of when I was in fifth grade, when you choose to be in band and you have to choose an instrument to play. And I always have wanted to be just like my mom, so she played the French horn, so I wanted to play the French horn. And I don't know how it was if you were doing that at all, but we told the band director like what we wanted to play, and they just had us like test out the mouthpiece to see if we could make a sound on it. And I could not make a sound on the mouthpiece. So the band director was trying to convince me to play the flute instead, but I was very determined to be like my mom and could not make a sound on the French horn for like two weeks. And it was really embarrassing, but eventually I did it, and like the whole band cheered once I made a sound on my mouthpiece. <laughs> I love it. We... <laughs> We had that too where like you got to try different instruments and hindsight's yeah. kind of gross because they would just like spray it with disinfectant between all these kids like Yeah, that's so weird. It. And I remember <laughs> they told me I probably should have played like trumpet or trombone and I was like, absolutely not. Because <laughs> third grade me thought that was like too masculine. I don't know. I have no idea yes. why I said no. I did. I played the violin when we lived in Pittsburgh and I loved it. And then we moved to Illinois and we didn't have an orchestra program anymore. So I started playing flute, hated it. Do not recommend, was terrible. I, as an adult, wish I had played violin so badly. Like, I think I would have loved playing a string instrument like that. I still think about, like, am I too old to, like, learn how to play it again and, like, go back to it? And should we both take violin lessons (gasps) as adults? And compare notes from afar. It is like a secret dream I have. It's like such a dramatic oh instrument, which of course I love. It is. It's beautiful. Oh, we totally should. Let's make a pack. I think that would Take be so much fun. I think it would too. I'm going to look into it. Okay. I will do. Let's do it. I recently did bring my French horn back to, <laughs> back to Chicago because it's been in my parents' attic. And of course I have not played in like 15 years probably. So I pulled it out and (laughs) tried to play it and it just made this like god awful sound. Is it like a tiny French horn or is it like a normal size? No, it's like a normal size. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's one more thing to add to our schedules? Let's take up uh, the violin. 
Exactly. In all of our free time. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, can't record tonight. We, uh, we had to take a break this week because we had a violin concert. I didn't do my 15 minutes of violin practice today. <laughs> Sticker charts coming yes. your way. Absolutely. Hey, I'm a huge huge advocate for the sticker chart. Yes. On another tangent, when Anne and I were roommates in Chicago with our friend Sydney, once we knew that our roommate ship was coming to an end because I was getting married and Sydney was moving out of the city, we made this list of things we wanted to do in Chicago together. And we like motivated ourselves literally by making it into a sticker chart. Yes. (laughs) It was so fun. Oh, so great. Oh, did you ever have to play the, um, the recorder? Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that they still do this. And like, why are we, why are we punishing parents like that? I mean, honestly, not necessary. That sounds horrible. So back to Trumpet of the Swan, we get another song break. Serena sings about being in love, which makes Louis even more determined to learn to play the trumpet. All of a sudden he's able to play and Serena is like very attracted to this. Into it. Yes. Suddenly some groove and R&B love music plays, like really changing (laughs) up the style here. They dip into the water and swim around in, like, a cute, swan, sensual way. Yeah, if there were an erotic moment of this movie, (laughs) this would be it. This was it. It was a little bit, like, my eyes went a little wide, you know? I was like, I think this is insinuating something. Ooh la la. (laughs) Father Swan, meanwhile, is riddled with guilt about the trumpet he stole, and Louis is determined to bring honor back to his dad. So he leaves a heart-shaped rock by a sleeping Serena and flies off. He meets back up with Sam at camp and tells him about the story about his father, you know, stealing the trumpet and that he wants to restore honor. He's worried his father's going to be caught, etc. Sam suggests that Louis gets a job as the camp bugler to pay for the (laughs) trumpet. (laughs) So we get a scene of Louis playing taps as Sam journals about the future. It's very dramatic. Louis gets his first paycheck and then realizes that he needs a lot more money to pay for all the damage to the store when his dad broke in and stole the trumpet. So he flies to the city to search for work. Back at home, Serena's dad is trying to set her up with a swan named Boyd, who seems, you know, to have what Louis doesn't have. And she's not interested at first because she likes Louis, but he keeps coming around while Louis's been away and he very casually proposes to her. And she's like, oh, wow, be right back. And her dad convinces her to accept the proposal. So she reluctantly does. And I'm like, Serena. Boyd is like the jock swan. Yes, (laughs) exactly. He's the cool guy. His family's wealthy. He's like on paper who your parents would want you to marry, but you think is probably actually kind of a douchebag. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yep. I don't know if I'm just imagining it, but I I feel like I remember Boyd wearing a backwards hat, and if he wasn't, that was just the energy he was giving yes, off. Was you're like... so right. <laughs> and he had a little bit of, like, floppy hair coming out under it. Yes, 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 yes. So Louis, in his search for work, ends up flying to Boston, and he gets a job playing a trumpet for what we know as a street hustler named Monty. And here we get, like, some swing music mm-hmm. about Louis's great trumpet playing, really sung by the whole city of Boston. Mm-hmm. Louis also meets the Senator Squirrel there. <clears throat> Not sure exactly what that means, but that's what he's referred to as. <laughs> Yep. Monty manages to put Louie up in the Ritz, even though he's a swan. So, like, the receptionist was, like, a little bit hesitant at first. But when <laughs> she sees he has, like, a fan following, she's like, okay, fine. That's so weird. <laughs> so, Louie lives it up at the hotel. He's wearing a <laughs> swan-sized robe, jumping on the bed, gets room service. <laughs> he's living the high life. Oh, 
they don't show this, but don't you feel like it would have been a really dark turn if, like, the bedding was filled with down? Ah! <laughs> yes! That's hilarious. I wonder if that was in there and, and we just didn't notice it. Yeah, no, I, I'm not going to go rewatch it, but I am curious. <laughs> yes. So he's looking out his balcony and he sees the pond below with a swan couple in it. So it makes him feel nostalgic. He's missing Serena. So we hear a song where he's like swooning about Serena. A shooting star erupts into the shape of a twinkling swan over the <laughs> pond. <laughs> Meanwhile, Serena is moving forward with marrying Boyd. We see her wedding shower. And then back in Boston, Monty makes Louis sign a really long contract, which seems like it's going to be a trap, but Louis signs it because he wants to make enough money to pay back the music store. And he ends up playing to a sold-out amphitheater, so he's, like, really on cloud nine here. Of course. Just then, news travels via the squirrels to Louis that Serena is marrying Boyd tomorrow. Senator Squirrel and his friends convince Louis to go back to try to win her over. As Louis starts to fly off, Monty arrives and traps him and tries to clip his wings so that he can never leave, essentially, like, claiming him as his property. The squirrels attack Monty to save Louis. Louis frantically flies back to Montana to try to stop the wedding. As he's flying, he sees other birds and he's like, oh no, traffic. (laughs) That was funny. Oh, so good. So the wedding starts, and right before Serena is about to regrettably say I do, Louis starts playing the trumpet from the sky, and Serena tells Boyd she doesn't want to marry him. Louis draws a heart for her in the sky and says it means he's hers forever. Serena tells her dad that she and Louis love each other, and he understands. So she retrieves the trumpet, gives it to him, and then there's another song. This is not re-singing. Right. Even though she's sung in other movies, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So Louis shows his dad the money, and his father is very moved by this gesture. They fly to Billings to pay for the trumpet, but the owner, who looks like Daddy Warbucks, by the way, <coughs> notices the swans coming towards them, like flying through the air, and pulls a gun out to kill Father Swan for stealing the trumpet. There is this really dramatic death scene. It was so dramatic, I was like... Is this a joke? I also thought it was a joke, but there's no blood because it's a child's movie. Right. We're like, what What just happened? He just shot his dad? Yeah. What is this, a Disney movie? Exactly. So an ambulance shows up. <laughs> to help That's this one. <laughs> and the paramedic says it's just a superficial wound. Like, no worries. Dad will be fine. The store owner then feels bad realizing what they were that they were like coming to pay them back so he donates the money to save trumpeter swans and Sam says that's what he wants to do when he grows up too. Serena and Louis reunite and the movie ends with Serena laying eggs and Louis playing his trumpet while a slightly older Sam watches and journals about swans. And it ends with like this super dramatic and deep monologue from like 10-year-old Sam saying things like, I wonder why the sun comes up each day and I'm thankful to be on this earth. It's so strange. It is so weird. Very introspective. It is. It's just like so dramatic for what could be like a really fun, cute movie. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have to take it to that next level, but they did. <laughs> it, yeah. It kind of felt like you couldn't quite get what they were going for. Like there was some music in it, but the music didn't really go together. They weren't really like woven together like most musicals are. Like mm-hmm. I feel like if they were going to make it into a musical, it should have been like a true musical. And then I probably yeah, would have loved it. Agreed. Like the music coming in is so sporadic. Yes. Some of it is even very strangely placed. And then it's just like no consistent style. Right. That's a little odd. Yeah, it is. There are some like big names in this movie. There are. 
classic, of course, Mary Steenburgen plays the mom. <laughs> of course, I would recognize her voice anywhere. <laughs> oh my gosh, we love her. Jason Alexander, who plays George Costanza from Seinfeld, plays the father swan. Yes. Okay, fun side note here. Before I realized who was in this, I heard like 13 or 14 minutes into the movie, I heard this music and it sounded like the Seinfeld transition music, yeah. which is like this, if you've watched Seinfeld, you know, you know the music. It's like this like kind of staccato bow, funky. Bow, bow, bow. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, that sounds like Seinfeld transition music. Turns out this is, you know, the guy who plays George Costanza from Seinfeld. And other people notice this too, and they use that sound throughout. So I think it was just a little nugget for people who like Seinfeld. So random. So random. Young Serena, before Reese Witherspoon voices her, young Serena is voiced by Kath Sauchi or Kath Sousey. She voiced Phil and Lil from Rugrats. And she also voiced Lola from the original Space Jam. Yes. And I have to say, like, as soon as young Serena started talking, like you put in our notes, you were like, I literally thought this was the person who was Phil and Lil, not Reese. And it took us a second. And you were right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no way is this Reese. And it, right, right. It, it's not. You know, she's older Serena. Um, yeah. And then we already said Carol Burnett is in this. I mean, it's just like very, very random. So yeah, some some pretty big names in this. I think that's pretty impressive. Also, it was based off the book written by E.B. White, who we noted also wrote Stuart Little and Charlotte's Web, which is kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Although I will say, I think both of those, I guess I I haven't read this book, but I think both Charlotte's Web and Stuart Little have better movies. Agreed. Yeah. This movie is only 75 minutes, which, you know, we're always here for. Honestly, it could have been even shorter. I think this could have been like 30, 45 minutes. Yes, like a TV special. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Also, this did come out the same year as Legally Blonde, which is insane. (laughs) (laughs) How? Why? I have so many questions. That's another question I would love to ask Reese Witherspoon. Yes. I mean, I guess she didn't know that Legally Blonde was going to blow up the way it did. So clearly, you know, both things were done ahead of time. But it's like, really? It's so weird. (laughs) She'd been in so many other successful movies prior. Yes. So funny. So, so strange. Yeah. I feel like we just couldn't give this that high of a plot score. Like, I was mildly entertained throughout it, but mostly I was just like, why is this Swan movie so dramatic? I agree. I was like, this is so strange. The fact it was short, like, made it not painful. Yes. Agreed. I I was able to, like, laugh at it throughout. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. Overall, cute, but you're just, you are left wondering what's happening. Yeah. Like, there's definitely just better kids' movies to watch. Exactly. So, for Reese's character of Serena, we gave her a 5 out of 10. You know, we like that Serena ultimately sees Louis for who he is and loves him despite not being like everyone else, but she does seem to kind of, like, accept that she's marrying Boy to move on pretty quickly. I'm like, couldn't you have you didn't even attempt to wait. What are you, 14? How old are, how old are swans when they get married? <laughs> I have no idea. I like how I just said, how old are they when they get married? Like, like that's a real life <laughs> commitment. I, I considered it for a second. I was like, <laughs> how do swan years translate? Like dog years. <laughs> yes. Thank you. You knew, what, you knew exactly what I was asking. Of course I did. I mean, she was old enough for her voice to change to be Reese playing her. Hold on. So... Siri, what's the life expectancy of a swan? The lifespan of the genus containing species commonly called swans is 10 to 20 years. Hmm. 
Honestly, okay. Well, that's kind of a dramatic span. Ten to twenty years. It's like a hundred percent difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, <laughs> let's say it's twenty years. Uh huh. Then maybe they get married around age four, five. Yeah. Age four or five. Five. Let's say five. Yeah, yeah because I feel like, yeah, yeah three okay. quarters of their life. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And it seems like she kind of just didn't stand up for what she wanted at first, and she just went along with what other people thought she should do. <laughs> we wrote in all caps, how much character development can an animated swan have? <laughs> it's true. Sometimes it's a, it's a bit grasping at straws here, you know? A little bit. But you know when she plays a pig and sings, she has some good character development. I mean, that that is true. That That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like, Serena's just not the main character. Louis's the main character. We don't ultimately know a lot about Serena except for the fact that she comes around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, for Reese's acting in this, we give her a 4 out of 10. Her voice is very recognizable. It was, like, fine, but nothing of note here. Like, it could have been anyone that played this character. No standout moments in the vocal acting or anything like that. There's just no reason for us to really, like, notice anything that great about the acting. Yeah, I don't even really understand why they had to cast two different people to voice her character. I'm like... She, would, I think, was the only one they did that for. Yeah, that's so, so weird. It's just kind of, it's a bit strange. And I'm also wondering, same as you, like, why she didn't sing in this movie. Because she does sing in so many other movies. She sings and sing, like, we right. know she can. Right. So I, w- I wonder why they made that choice. Yeah, so strange. And then for our bonus category of whiskey teacups, we gave her a zero out of two. Serena's not sassy at all. She's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Not sassy. Mm-mm. So for Would You Watch Again, we rated this a 1 out of 5, probably not surprisingly from the way we talked about it. Nah. Nah. It's a no for me. <laughs> so to review for Trumpet of the Swans, we gave the plot a 5.5 out of 10, Reese's character Serena a 5 out of 10, Reese's acting a 4 out of 10, a Whiskey Teacup score of 0 out of 2, and a Would You Watch Again score of 1 out of 5 for a total of 15.5 out of 37 points, which means that Trumpet of the Swans is ranked number 40 out of 41 <laughs> movies. We reviewed the worst movie last week, which was SFW. Ouch. Just behind SFW, which we reviewed last episode. I mean, just ahead yep. of. Yes. Yes. Just ahead of. <laughs> so before we jump into our next movie, we want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors. Wander and Ivy is a certified woman-owned business that sells premium single-serve organic wines. Each beautiful reusable glass is a perfect 6.3-ounce pour. Check them out at wanderandivy.com or on Instagram at wanderandivy. You can use code GIRLCRUSH for 15% off. All right, second animated movie of today is Monsters vs. Aliens. So for this movie, we gave the plot a 6.5 out of 10. So better than Trumpet of the Swans, not Mm -hmm. as good as the same movies. Yep. Movie opens. It is the morning of Susan's wedding day to Derek, the weatherman. Susan's played by Reese. Derek is played by Paul Rudd. And they're planning to go, yes, they're planning to go to Paris for their honeymoon. But Derek breaks the news that they're going to Fresno, California instead because he has an audition mm-hmm. and instead of telling him that he's a douche for not saying he can't audition next week like the week of their wedding right she just fakes it and says that's great and i'm like your marriage is not doing well <laughs> yep off to a real bad start yep right then a meteorite hits literally her and only her she shakes it off <laughs> and they go on with the wedding another side note from um 
I learned so much at the Museum of Nature and Science this week. Yes. Um, I do not think I would know if I found a meteorite in my yard. I feel like they have these meteorites on display and it's like found in Longmont, Colorado. And I'm like, it just looks like a rock. Really? Yeah, they just look like rocks. I'm like, I would never be like, this definitely came from space. Right, right. Yeah, how can you tell? Um, anyway, when Derek flips her veil over, he notices she's glowing green. And then suddenly she grows into a giant and busts out of the church. And someone's like, here comes the bride. <laughs> a SWAT team comes in, takes her down, shooting her with a tranquilizer gun, and then tying her up. She wakes up in a strange concrete-looking building. Turns out she's in a monster prison. And we meet some other creatures inside, including Insectosaurus, who is humongous. Yes. A general comes in and reveals that in 1950, the government convinced the world that monsters were legends, but locked up real monsters in this facility where they have no contact with the outside world. The government has changed her name from Susan to Ginormica. Ouch. (laughs) I'm also like, why didn't they... Why didn't they give, why did they name her Susan then? I'm like, what? she should have been like named Erica or something. It would have translated better, I think. In space, we see an alien, Galaxar, being awoken because Quantonium has been found on Earth. He commands that the Quantonium be extracted from Earth. So they're incoming. Back on Earth, a couple is in a car in the woods with the license plate, Jim Nasty. <laughs> and the girl is trying to get nasty with, like, get it on with this guy. Like, you know, just like kids. This is irrelevant to the plot. I just think it's so funny that this is in this kid's movie. I know. Because he's like, don't rush me. And she says, it's just like dancing. Let me lead. And I'm kind (laughs) of like, that's not a very good message to be putting into a movie. Because if the roles were reversed, we'd be like, that sounds like assault. Yeah, you're so right. You're so right. I didn't think about that. That's terrible. Poor humor. Before any action happens, a spaceship crashes right by them, and the military is mobilized to come in. The president arrives and says he'll approach the spaceship alone, which is about the most unrealistic thing I could imagine. But he walks up like a thousand stairs and then rocks out a keyboard solo in, like, greeting. I can hear the thunder. It's crazy. This giant metal hand pops out, and when the president tries to shake it, it just, like, bats at him. The spaceship becomes kind of a living robot that the military can't take down, so they decide they should use the monsters to fight the aliens. Okay, this is not relevant to the plot, but but at this place for security, this this guy scans his fingerprint to get in, but he also then scans his footprint, tongue, elbows, and his butt. Classic kid movie humor. Love it. A month passes, and Dr. Cockroach has been experimenting on Susan to try to fix her, and the general comes and tells them that they're getting out to fight aliens, and in exchange, they'll get their freedom. So all the monsters go to San Francisco, which is being evacuated, and the general just leaves them there to fight the alien robot, just, like, drops them off, says, see ya. Good luck. Susan's terrified. She still doesn't really know what's going on with her body or, or like, the monsters or whatever. The robot is even bigger than she is, and it comes barreling towards her. It's knocking down all these buildings in its path, just, like, wreaking havoc. She uses cars as skates to move more quickly through the city, and as she's on the Golden Gate Bridge, she stops to help some people, and the robot catches up to her, tears the bridge apart. Insectosaurus kind of slows the robot down, and Susan saves civilians from falling off the bridge. With the help of the others, working as a team, they're finally able to take the robot down and cut him in half, but... It appears that Insectosaurus dies in battle. Oh, sacrifices himself for the good of all. 
Galaxar orders another robot probe be sent over, but he's told that Susan is too strong. And he's like, fine, I'll go retrieve it myself. So Susan and the monster crew go to her house for like an <laughs> after party for saving for saving San Francisco. <laughs> and she goes to find Derek at work. Remember, he's a weatherman, while her parents entertain the monsters, which is really cute. Yeah. At the TV station, Susan reaches into the station window and just grabs Derek. <laughs> and she really wants him to be proud of her and assumes he's going to help her figure out like how to get back to normal but Derek basically tells her there's no way he's going to put everything on hold to help her with something that happened to her (laughs) rude he breaks up with her says he's not looking to live his life in someone else's shadow and she's casting a pretty big shadow oh Derek knife in the ginormous heart (laughs) dodged a Derek bullet I think yeah for real As Susan tells the other monsters what a jerk Derek is, she has this revelation about how amazing she is and how amazing her friends are and that Derek is nothing. And I'm like, yes, Susan. You go, girl. She has this empowering monologue about, you know, never shortchanging herself again. And all of a sudden, Galaxar's alien spaceship beams her up. So Ugh. she's being held ca- she's being held captive in a laser jail cell by Galaxar. And the quantonium they've been after is actually in Susan. It's what's making her so big. Mm-hmm. And Galaxar tells her he wants to extract it, which will likely destroy her. This chase ensues in the ship, and eventually he catches her and starts the process. And it works. She's normal size again. She's not dead. He wants to overtake Earth, but Susan tries to fight him. But now that she doesn't have the power of the quantonium, she's just a normal human. Mm-hmm. So Galaxar uses the quantonium to clone himself so he can invade Earth and enslave the humans. Chaos ensues on this ship. The other monsters show up to help and end up rescuing Susan and activating the spaceship's self-destruct sequence. And as they try to make their escape from the ship before it self-destructs, they get separated, and the other monsters get stuck where they can't get out. They tell Susan to save herself, but instead she confronts Galaxar. And when he explains that he cannot reverse the self-destruct process, she takes the quantonium back, absorbs it, Makes herself ginormica-sized again, which enables her to save the monsters, her friends. They leap out of the spaceship just in time and are rescued by General Bonger, a none other than Insectosaurus, who wasn't dead, but entered metamorphosis to become a giant butterfly. Yeah! Derek attempts to get back with Susan, clearly selfishly just to, like, get an interview with her. But she rejects him and forces him into the humiliation of being thrown into the air and swallowed slash spit out by this other character monster named Bob. (laughs) And the movie ends with the monsters being alerted about another attack and they fly off to combat this new enemy. The end. I think it's a cute movie. Again, the cast here is really big. I don't know how any of these animated movies are able to pull this off. I don't know. I don't know either. We have Seth Rogen, Will Arnett, Kiefer Sutherland, Rain Wilson, Stephen Colbert, Amy Poehler, Ed Helms, Renee Zellweger, John Krasinski. Nuts. I'm like, how do they pick? How do, uh, is the attraction really like you don't have to get dressed for this? <laughs> like, is that you know, it? If, if the pandemic told us anything, I think that could be true. That's true. That's true. Also, I feel like something that surprised us about some of our girl crushes is that some of their biggest movies in terms of box office hits are Mm -hmm. animated films. So I think maybe they really do anticipate having a larger budget, seeing how much a huge animated film is able to bring in. I'm not sure about this one, but like the Sing movies were huge. Yeah, Sing movies were huge. And Sandra Bullock's Minions movie was like crazy, crazy money. I know you mentioned it earlier. I just, like, love kid movie humor. I think this movie does a really good job of that. It's just, like, it's so simple, but it just, like, tickles you. And yes. obviously there's, like, adult humor always sprinkled throughout yes. some movies more than others. I thought this movie had a hearty dose of it. Yes, I agree. 
I feel like the downfalls of this movie was it felt long to me, even though it was only, it's only an hour and 42 minutes, but by the end, I felt like it was dragging along. They're kind of hitting like obstacle after obstacle, trying to get off the spaceship. And it feels almost like they were just trying to make the movie longer. Like they're like, oh, we need a few more scenes. Mm -hmm. And then it ended up just making it feel like it was dragging on. Yeah. I mean, out of all of Reese's animated movies, the Sing movie is just like, it, it's hard to beat them. I mean, those set the bar so high and they're yeah, just so exactly. fun and cute. So if I'm going to watch a Reese animated movie, it's, it's going to be one of those over this one. For sure. So for Reese's character, Susan slash Chinormica, we rated her a 7.5 out of 10. I think she has like a decent amount of character growth, especially for an animated character. Like she comes full circle. She's like totally in Derek's clutches at the beginning, like just kind of bowing down to what he wants, even though he changed Mm -hmm. their honeymoon indicates maybe they don't have the greatest of relationships, Mm -hmm. but it comes full circle at the end and she Mm -hmm. ends up telling him off, which I really like. And then on top of that, she also goes through this change of herself, kind of accepting the physical appearance of being large and accepting like the strength and responsibility that kind of comes along with that. So Mm -hmm. I I think it's a good character. Agreed. Way more growth than an animated swan, that's for sure. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And for her acting, we gave Reese an 8 out of 10. I kind of like that her voice changes as her character Mm. changes. So at the beginning of the movie, she's like not very confident and that really reflects in her voice. Like Mm -hmm. it sounds like every sentence she speaks is a question where she, you know, where where like the intonation kind of lifts at the end. And you can just tell that she's a little more meek. And as she becomes more confident and self-assured, that's really reflected in her voice and her line delivery. And even the pitch of her tone drops, Mm. like, kind of dramatically, which I thought was kind of interesting. And I did not honestly realize that watching the movie. But full disclosure, all of our notes got erased for this movie. So we had to go back and redo them. And um, we did it without watching the movie again. And I was just watching clips. And I was watching some compilation. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's so interesting. Like, I did not realize that the first time. Yeah. I thought this was a strong role for her. Like, she was able to put a lot of personality and individuality into this role, which I think is pretty impressive for an animated film. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I thought it was special that Reese did it and she brought something to the character that maybe not everyone else would. I agree. And even though there were so many other famous people in this movie, I felt like most of them were replaceable yes. in their roles. And I, I agree with you. I think she did bring something specific to the movie by voicing this character. Yeah. She also just had really good, like, cartoon panting and running sounds. <laughs> and I'm like, do they really make her, like, run on a treadmill or jump around so that it sounds genuine? I just wonder how they do that. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Someone tell us. We need to find someone in the industry. <laughs> We really do, like a voiceover actor or something. Yes. So for Whiskey Teacups, which Anne mentioned is our bonus category for how sassy our character is, we rated Susan a 0.75 out of 2. She's got a little bit of sass by the end of the movie. I think it comes out more as she gets more confident throughout, but also I think it comes out with Derek at the end, like really when she Mm -hmm. turns him down and, you know, kind of pins the other monster on him to humiliate Mm -hmm. him. I think that's where her sass comes in. And she has some sass, too, with, like, uh, Galaxar and, yeah. you know, even the government who's, like, detaining all these monsters or whatever. She's, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, some mild sass. She's pretty funny. For Would You Watch Again, we also gave this one a one out of five. So neither of our movies today we would watch again. This was cute. I definitely liked this better than Trumpet of the Swans. And if oh, yeah. I had to pick between the two, I would watch this one over that. But for some reason, like, I don't know. I just... This isn't my favorite, I already said. Out of Reese's animated movies and obviously out of all animated movies. I will say, for some reason, rewatching clips before recording, it reminded me a little bit of the Jimmy Neutron movie. Did you ever watch that? 
I watched the show. I don't know if I ever saw the movie. Oh my god, the movie is actually like pretty cute. I loved that movie. I've not watched it in a long time, but this kind of makes me like want to go rewatch that and see if it that's see so if it holds up. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, I just felt like it wasn't rewatchable for me compared to all the other like great animated movies out there, but I'd recommend it still as a one-time watch. I would agree with that. So to review for Monsters vs. Aliens, we gave the plot a 6.5 out of 10, Reese's character Susan a 7.5 out of 10, her acting an 8 out of 10, a whiskey teacup score a 0.75 out of 2, and a would you watch again score a 1 out of 5, bringing it to a total of 23.75 out of 37 points, meaning that Monsters vs. Aliens is ranked number 24 out of all 41 of Reese's movies. Which is pretty good. Yeah. Back half, but like somewhere in the middle. Yeah. As a reminder, I think the Sting movies were rated 15 and 16, like back to back. Yes. So 15, 16, 24, and 40. Widespread. Yeah. Pretty widespread for the animated movies. Yeah. As always, thanks for listening to the Girl Crush Podcast. Let us know your thoughts on today's movie. You can find us on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod or TikTok at girlcrushpod. You can also visit our website at girlcrushpodcast.com. Tune in next time when we'll be talking about another 90s film, Best Laid Plans. Can't wait. Bye. Bye.